0: Now, we're going to kick off today's notorious episode in the land of my birth. You see, Phil Locke, he's a pull yourself up in the bootstraps kind of guy from Flint, Michigan. And this is a story about how he went from scrappy to styling in the way that only Phil can.
1: Phil Locke will tell you that school, it's not his thing. He wasn't a big reader, so, well... Sort of. Yes, Donald Trump,
0: the art of the deal. Right, that was uh, one of my attempted
1: reads. But he's still got to put bread on the table, right? He had no degree, but no worries. Let's take a look at his resume. It kicks off with the pawn shop. Started uh, developing a golf training
0: device called Sway Away. Started a bar restaurant, bath and body stores. We never opened. I got cold feet doing so. <laughs> he even tried politics. I ran for office when I was defeated by, a, I think, 21-year incumbent at the time. So I moved to Telluride, Colorado to be a ski bum. Met my wife. It was our 19th anniversary in September. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
1: Then he tried selling timeshare, then eyeglasses. Which I failed at miserably. So anyways, you know there's that saying that defeat only makes you stronger. Well, for Phil, his failed businesses got him into bankruptcy. So he found himself washing golf clubs at a Hyatt in Orlando.
0: Where I clean Michael Jordan's clubs, Jackie Chan's clubs. You know, successful people. And it was cool, but the majority of the money I made was tips, right? But but the little check that I did get for my hourly wage, I, I couldn't put it in the bank because I was in bankruptcy. So I'd take my little $100 check and I would go to Orange Blossom Trail, the little seedy street in Orlando, and I would go to a check cashing place to, to cash it. And when I was there, they would offer these short-term loans, these payday loans. And what's that? A payday loan is a short-term loan to get you through any financial unexpected need that might come
1: up until
0: your next payday.
1: It's similar to a pawn shop. But instead of the pawnbroker keeping the item until you repay the loan, a payday store charges an X amount of dollar or percent as interest per $100 loaned.
0: And and that was an aha moment. The light turned on. I'm driving a a U-Haul truck with my belongings from Orlando, you know, to move back into Michigan, into my my in-laws' basement. And I thought, wow, you know, what a great business this will be if the saturation isn't in Michigan of these type of operations.
1: He was right. The market for payday stores was untapped in Michigan. So he went for it. He found a little storefront. A lower class, it's a very rough area. He printed out some signs, installed some bulletproof glass, and voila, he was open for business. His interest rate? The state requirement of $16.50 per $100 borrowed.
0: And my goal was that I hit in the third week, if I could just lend out $10,000 a week, that was $1,650 potential profit.
1: He figured it would take him a couple months to get to that mark.
0: But... I met that goal in the third week and it just started growing from there.
1: Phil wanted to grow his business. But in order to lend more money, you need more money. So he ran ads in the Detroit Free Press that read, Cash Cow, Working Partners Needed. People were calling me,
0: asking me, what is this Cash Cow?
1: Phil promised that his business could get 400% back on their investments over time. And sure enough, he delivered. Soon, he brought on old friends, strangers, and trust fund kids in on the action. Within a year, his store was lending out $100,000 a week and generating roughly $50,000 a month in fees. My reaction was,
0: woohoo! You know, it was almost like winning the lottery. You know, I've been searching for the past 10 years for a successful business, whatever it may be. You know, I'm onto something. I built my wife and I a beautiful house. My wife had a BMW X5 a Mercedes SUV, a uh, Range Rover Sport, Porsche Boxster. Wife had Rolex watches. I had nice Rolex watches. I would say that it felt good. It felt really good compared to how I grew up. The guy, you know, kicking and screaming to, you know, get his way out of Flint. They were profitable based on the 1650 per hundred that we would charge. At that time, we had collection methods in place that were were fair uh, or it was based, maybe not fair, but it was the state law. Well, in the state of Michigan, for any bounce check, it doesn't matter. It, you can sue for triple damages plus $250 in court costs. Bankruptcy was a big part of the business.
1: Phil says at his shops, only 10% of his customers would file for bankruptcy. But for the rest of his clients, Phil was offering a service that he believed people genuinely needed, like a quick loan for an unexpected family medical cost. But still, not everyone was on board. One time, he was trying to get one of his close business mentors to join in. He
0: is the smartest businessman I've ever met in my entire life. I'm just now starting to expand rapidly. I've got, and I said, hey, you know, come help me take the reins. And he said, Phil, you have a very profitable business. However, I can't get my arms around this business for the simple reason is the products that you offer are morally acceptable. I wouldn't want my daughters to use when they are of age. I wouldn't recommend them for my aunt to use if she was short on her mortgage payment.
1: Phil's mentor said that the interest rates, while they were average across the country, it was not something he could stomach because it took advantage of the poor who were stuck in this vicious cycle of debt. With high interest rates and short repayment periods of usually two weeks, some consumers find themselves unable to repay the loan in time. So they take out another loan to pay for the first one. Repeat.
0: I mean, there is this thing of a cycle of debt. But my response was, I just don't think they get it. I don't think they understand the business model because everybody takes advantage of the poor.
1: And at the time, were you
0: proud of your business? Yeah, absolutely. I could say I was proud of my work. I mean, I took nothing. I came from bankruptcy and I built a chain from zero to over 40 payday loan stores within five years. At the peak, I was making seven figures.
1: Phil even became the president of the Michigan Financial Service Centers Association, basically the leading advocate for the industry in his state. He frequently traveled to DC and schmoozed policymakers about the need to protect payday lenders from any regulation. He would tell lawmakers about the good payday testimonies, how the loan came in clutch in an emergency situation, but leave out some of the truth, like the cycle of debt and bankruptcy. We were going from, you know, one meeting to the other,
0: and we had to take off our name badges because there was a bunch of people, there outside with fishing poles with sharks on the end that were legalized loan sharks. As Tony Montana puts it in Scarface, you know, I'm the guy that, you know, they point their finger at. I'm the bad guy, I'm the bad guy. Do I mind that? No, I'm, you know, I'm from the streets of Flint, Michigan. There was one time that I saw a high school friend of mine getting out of his car, coming into the storefront. I, I was embarrassed. So I turned around, jumped back behind the bulletproof glass, I shut the door, and hid in the corner until the transaction was done. I felt badly. His chart was very long. You know, any other customer was fine. I don't know. I, I I don't know what to say. Then a few weeks later, he came in and I was there. I brought him back, caught up with him. Eventually, I said, hey, you got to stop doing this. You, you got to stop coming in here every week. We need to get you out of this financial trap. I made arrangements to get him out of that.
1: But Phil found out that right after his friend left his payday store... The friend walked into the competitors just around the block to apply for another loan. While he felt bad, he still continued running his business and let the good times roll.
0: And then an unexpected thing happened.
1: The governor of Michigan started cracking down on the industry, calling for reforms to change their interest rate from a flat $16.50 per hundred to $15 per hundred, then $14, then $13, and so on. This would mean a 20% drop in revenue for Phil's investors. So he fought it.
0: I tried. I tried really hard. I donated a lot of money. I bought new clothes. I spent every waking moment fighting it against this law. But I mean, I had, I don't know, a half a dozen stores, partners, closed their doors before the law even went into effect. They're like, we can't make money doing this.
1: But as hard as he tried, he claims that the governor cut a deal with Phil's biggest competitor, the national payday chain, and ultimately, the bill passed under his watch.
0: Of my partners, they started having these confidential meetings to get together to sue me because I didn't protect them enough. Well, and a lot of these people I went to high school with and would go on spring break with when I was growing up, and a lot of them were friends of mine for 15 years. I became very depressed. Everything blew up at once a week before my daughter's first birthday. My philosophy was, my daughter, growing up, has all the material things that she ever wanted. Is that what I want my one-year-old to know where daddy got his wealth from taking advantage of the poor? I caved in mentally to the point that I don't want this greed in my life anymore. I should do something about this. But what do I do? And and that's where I, I chose to turn my back on the industry and to go fight for the consumer. Enough was enough. I decided to go out there and educate lawmakers about how the payday loan companies are taking advantage of the consumers and what we can do to change this.
1: Phil decided to sell and get rid of everything. His houses, cars, jewelry, artwork. Then he bought a motorhome and traveled to state capitals and D.C. to fight for consumers. He made a website, $10Phil.com, to advocate for a lower national interest rate, $10 per hundred.
0: Was I making change for revenge? Yes. But I wanted to make a difference for the consumer. It would help the neediest. You know, my wife, she supported me as she always has, and a couple people said, hey, Phil, you're you're messing with billionaires, you know, it's not going to be successful. You, you probably couldn't have told me that. I was very optimistic that I could make a difference. I woke up each day uh, with my kids, I would go for a walk, and then I would reach out to these people.
1: He even signed a transfer of ownership to get rid of his payday store chain for good. Then he reached out to Congressman, Oprah, Howard Stern, Ellen, Nightline, 60 Minutes. He also wrote a short book called Greed, The Dark Side of Predatory Lending.
0: But, wow, nobody wanted to hear about this subject. Just no answer. It wasn't even a nope. Nope. In my experience all these do-gooder organizations all these congressmen that reach out and speak about this industry nobody really cares that nobody truly cares about the poor if they really wanted an insider for these industries that they would have at least reached out and spoken with me it was like you know so if nobody cares then why should i and and i can't make a difference i failed It cost me a lot of money. It cost me grief with my family, and I failed.
1: So today, Phil is back at square one.
0: I'm back home doing what I did before, uh, subprime lending, predatory lending.
1: You know, during the time when Phil was crusading against the dark side of the payday industry, well, he still legally owned his payday stores.
0: In the transfer of ownership to the stores that I had left, the ink wasn't even dry on the contracts to transfer ownership. It needed state approval. My partners would never sign off on that approval. And so we canceled the ownership transfer. And so ultimately, my business never went away.
1: But now his chain is much smaller due to the bill that was passed.
0: You know, I still have four or five stores left. Stores that are still open and operating, that are providing a living for my children. They're there, right. I I mean, on a day-to-day basis, I have nothing to do with my stores.
1: So you're okay, like, running these remaining payday stores, despite being this payday crusader not too long ago? I... you know, I don't know that, you know, I'm okay with it
0: because uh, it's my single source of income at this point to support my young family. I mean, you do what you have to do, right? Some people, uh, you know, steal to uh, to support their family. Some people do a lot of different things that they don't want to do to support their family. It is what it is. It's what makes me who I am, Right. Good, bad, or other, you know, whatever somebody's going to call me, maybe a hypocrite because I, I made money off the industry and then I wanted to make a change. You know, whatever it may be, it's what makes me who I am today. But right now, it's just my search for my next career move to support my family. Thank you, Phil Locke, for sharing your story with the Snap. Now, Phil says he's working on some new programs that will revolutionize the payday industry. Stay tuned for that. And a big shout-out as well to writer Gary Rivlin for first bringing us this story. We'll have a link to Gary's article at snapjudgment.org. The original score was done by Leon Morimoto, and that story was produced by Davy Kim.